0: I love the kinds of stories where you see a reversal, like Joseph, for example, his brothers tossed him in a pit and sold him. (laughs) What a wound, right? But Joseph, his life was used for good. The, the, The next few elements of his story, even though they were hard, some of them, they were used for his good, his family's good, and eventually for God's glory. There's somebody listening today who has the same kind of wound that Joseph had. And my guess is the enemy wants to hold you back from real life because you made some decision or some decision was made and imposed on you, a life-ending decision that was made in the last 50 years or so. The enemy wants to use that event in your life to make you believe it defines you and that the worst thing you could ever do would be to tell somebody about it. If that's you, or if you know someone who has made a decision they regret that still keeps them shackled by guilt and shame and this dark cloud that hangs over them, I want you to hear Jill's story because Jill not only got out from under the weight of her decision, she's helping others with the hope and comfort she received. You're gonna hear more about that straight ahead here on Chris Fabry Live, online at chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for our team. Behind the scenes, Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T's in the chair today. Anthony will be answering your calls, and you can be a part of our team, too. If you benefit from the conversations we have at the back fence, whether you listen live or you listen to the podcast, we cannot do this alone. Uh, but back before Christmas, I recorded some Facebook messages that were just me holding the phone, <laughs> talking to people. And I'll be honest, I saw those, and I got tired of seeing them myself. But there was an interesting response from people, some people who saw that who said, I didn't know that you were (laughs) listener-supported. I didn't realize you depend on listeners to get involved with you. Well, we do, and uh, I want to say that clearly again here today. And in January, we're more than halfway through, we're about a third of the way to our goal this month. So a little bit behind, would you give a gift today? It would be so encouraging. Our excellent thank you is Dr. Bill Thrasher's how to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. The enemy wants you defeated, wants you ashamed, wants you powerless in prayer. This book is a real encouragement to you. I'd love to send it as a thank you. Call or click through today. Become a back-fence friend or partner, 866-953-2279, 866-95-FABRY. Or go to Chris Fabry Live, if you can spell Fabry, <laughs> F-A-B is in fab. F A B R Y, Chris Again, a gift of any size, and we'd love to send you this book by Dr. Bill Thrasher. I am on a mission to introduce people to the work of CareNet. I found out about them last year and began to understand the excellent work they do, a lot of it quietly, a lot of it kind of under the radar, one day at a time, one heart at a time. And I clicked on the green button at chrisbabrylive.org that says CareNet. And I was looking around not long ago and I saw a link to the site that says Abortion Recovery and Care. Now, you've heard from those who believe abortion is health care and that pro life people only care about the baby and they only care about the baby until it's born and then they don't care. Have you ever heard that? I've heard a lot. So I was surprised to see with that in my back of my mind. CareNet comes alongside those who've had abortions to help women and men heal from the emotional pain of abortion. But wait, if they only care about the baby in utero, why would they do something like that? So I dug around a little bit more and I found Jill. She joined the CareNet staff, oh, let's see, two years, 2021. She is the Director of Abortion Recovery and Care. The acronym is ARC, and we'll talk about that today. And I want you to hear how she came into this work. She says that she came a little reluctantly. Jill Marquis is her name. Jill, how are you doing today?
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on the program.
0: Let's get in the wayback machine together. You hit the button and take me back to the moment when you saw the positive pregnancy test. When was that? What was going on in your mind and in your life?
1: Oh boy. Um, so uh, let me start by saying I'm 57. It's important to to understand how old I was and and when all of this was taking place in my life. I got married right out of college, 1988. Um, when I am honest with myself and look back at that time, I should not have gotten married to that gentleman, but I did. And pretty early on in the marriage, I knew that I really didn't want to be there and I had an affair. And um, like a lot of young women at that point in time, I was on the pill, so I should not have been able to have gotten pregnant. And yet here I was, I had missed a period and I take this pregnancy test and I am thinking, Oh, my word. How, what has happened here? How can this be? And so I immediately started, I, I feel like I started holding my breath. And um, when you think about what happens when you hold your breath, if you hold your breath for a long time, it's hard to think clearly. And so I started operating from this position of fear and panic. And um, you know, at that point in time, I was like, I, first of all, don't want to be pregnant. I don't want to be married to this guy. In fact, I really would like to be with this other man. So my life is this complete train wreck. And um, I knew that I wanted to get divorced. And to my way of thinking, I could not be pregnant and get divorced. And so in order to have the life that I wanted, when I wanted it, I just was like, okay, I am not going to have this Baby, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go get an abortion, and so I literally went to the Yellow Pages again. That tells you how old I am because this was before the age of the internet. So I went to the Yellow Pages and looked up abortion clinic, um, and found the closest one. And Chris, I literally just was moving very quickly. Um, you know, I called and made an appointment, and had an appointment within a week. I walked in the doors of the clinic. And I stood at that counter and paid cash because I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want there to be any trace. Um, And I sat in that clinic by myself. I told no one.
0: Did you, at the time, were there ever ever any second thoughts sitting there to get, because this is what I hear from statistical data and from people who, um, fill out the forms, they'll say, if I had somebody who really cared about me and who uh, would support me in this, I wouldn't have chosen this. Would Would you be in that camp or not?
1: Honestly, I don't think I would have been. I was so bent on getting what I wanted that and and that meant you know I wanted to get divorced and be with this other man, um, and so I I honestly don't know if if there would have been someone who could have reached me at that point. And yeah. um, like I said, I didn't I didn't tell anybody. Um, I didn't tell the man who got me pregnant. Oh hey, by the way, I'm pregnant. Um, I just started operating, you know, from a place of, of absolute selfishness.
0: So then you had the abortion and all your problems went away?
1: Oh, that's what, that's what uh, the abortion clinic would, would want you to think. Um, you know, anytime I look at studies ab- about women who have chosen abortion, um, one of the things that you see in all the studies is that um, the overwhelming thing that we feel after the abortion is relief. And, and I fully understand that because, of course, I'm relieved the the problem is solved. Now I can go on with my life. You know, I um, I walked out of the clinic with um, a prescription for some um, antibiotics and, you know, just told that, you know, OK, yeah, you can you can move on with your life. But what they don't tell you um, is that the cost of the abortion is going to be far greater than the few hundred dollars that you spent, you know, not only does it cost the life of your child, but it costs a piece of your soul. And, you know, nobody tells you that when you eventually get pregnant with the children that you want, that you're going to spend the nine months of those pregnancies praying that the Lord um, not take these children from you. Um, and that's what happened to me. I, I, I spent, you know, when, let me give you a little spoiler alert, um, because God is so good. Um, let me jump to kind of the end of the story for just a second. I did get divorced. Um, the gentleman that I was having the affair with, um, we ended up getting married and we are living proof that God redeems everything and have been married for more than 31 years. And that's only by God's grace. Um,
0: And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the rest of the story and the intervening time, because my guess is back at that point when you had the abortion, you could never imagine yourself doing what you're doing today. Is that true?
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You know, I was raised by, um, by a woman who, was incredibly strong. Um, you know, I would have very much considered my mother a feminist and um, she was a newspaper reporter. And so you know, I just grew up watching this very strong woman operate in a, in a man's world. And um, you know, abortion was always, you know, I, I won't say that it was a topic of conversation in our family, it wasn't, but it was always there. Um, it was, you, know, you knew that it was an option that was open to you. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't something that we talked about in our family, but, uh, being raised by a woman who, who was, um, you know, very strong and, um, really making her way in a man's world. Um, you know, I think she was at that point in time, you know, pretty, pretty pro-choice.
0: Yes. So on Facebook, I asked this question, how were you able to overcome the lingering emotional effects of abortion? Who or what helped most? Do you still struggle? You're hearing Jill's story today. I'm going to open the phones for you as well. 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Jill Marquis is with us. She is Director of Abortion Recovery and Care for CareNet, More with her straight ahead on Moody Radio. For most of my life, January 22nd has been this specter that has hung over us. It's coming up next week, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I was 12 in 1973. So, when Roe was overturned by the Supreme Court, I thought, well, the, the sting is going to go out of that date, you know, and the March for Life is going to continue, but the sting is going to go out of that date. I don't know that it has for me because of the very thing that we're talking today about with Jill Marquis. She is the Director of Abortion Recovery and Care. The acronym is ARC at CareNet. You can click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org if this if you have abortion in your past and it is holding you back and it's a shackle on you you do not have to live with that and i'm talking not just to women but to men as well, because I saw a, a conversation that Jill had with four or 500 men at a men's conference about this, and that's the very thing that she said. Women will tell you, be quiet, my body, my choice, don't listen to that. So we're going to talk about that. But I want to go back to your story. So the man that you've been married to for 31 years is the father of your unborn child who was aborted? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. When did you tell him about the pregnancy?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I did not fully disclose to him that the child was his, oh, my gosh, until, well, probably more than 15 or so years into our marriage. Before we got married, I had said to him, you know, um, you, I want you to know everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you know, I've, I've had an abortion and that was it. I didn't say the child was yours or, or anything like that, but I, I told him that and then we never talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. and it truly, it wasn't until, um, you know, we, we have two children. We have a son and a daughter. They're both adults now. Um, but when our kids were young and we started going to church, um, I started to get involved with the women's ministry at our church. And um, in a way that only God can do, um, I became the volunteer director of women's ministries at my church. And um, I, I, <laughs> And proof that God equips those He calls, because at that point in time, you know, I could not have told you the names of any of the prominent women Bible study authors. Um, but that that being said, you know, I got involved with the women's ministry, and you know, there were things that had had been going on in my life for a long time. and um, i I knew that something was was not quite right, you know in in my soul, that, you know, um, I couldn't quite make this, this nebulous, um, ache go away. Um, you know, there was, there were plenty of times when, um, a bottle of wine a night was not uncommon. Um, but so I spent a lot of this time just trying to kind of figure out what is, what is missing in my life. So we started going to church and I got involved in the women's ministries and, um, became this, this volunteer director. And I recognized, okay, I I need to deal with this abortion, and I can't be the only one in my church that has this in their past, and just I can't be. Um, and so I I I started, you know, kind of doing some research. Came across an abortion recovery study. Um, actually, the way that it happened is I was actually looking for someone to um, run a women's um retreat for us at the church and I couldn't every door that I was trying to walk through to bring in a speaker kept closing. And um I finally got through an open door and it was somebody who had written an abortion recovery study. And so I kept thinking, okay, Lord, you're you're obviously trying to tell me something here. So I went to my pastor and I said, um, hey, I kind of want to propose that that maybe we add this Bible study to our offerings. And oh, by the way, this is part of my story. And I honestly thought in that moment that um, he was going to disqualify me from, you know, any kind of leadership in the church. Um, I fully expected him to be like, thanks, but no, thanks. We don't need your services. And instead, in that moment, he was truly the hands and feet of Christ to me and said, you know what? You're right. And you are the perfect person to lead this. And so I went through this uh, this study and it did a tremendous work in my life. And it, it was really the thing that, that, that brought me, truly brought me to the Lord. I mean, if you would have asked me in my early 20s when I had the abortion, if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. But I was not a Christ follower. And it wasn't until I truly just went before the Lord with all of this junk, you know, Lord, I, I need you to take this from me. I, um, I, want to, I, I want to live this life fully in the way that you would have me live it. And I can't do it carrying this weight because the weight is tremendously heavy. Um, and again, that's part of the lie that we're sold um, when you're choosing abortion. This is going to solve all your problems. Yeah.
0: Okay. I want you to listen. Uh, and now I'm speaking to, to those, the person in the car or in the cubicle or wherever you are listening to this. I want you to hear the freedom in Jill's voice now, but at the freedom describing the ache, the t- trying to numb the pain and not knowing it was just, it's just this unidentifiable thing that's there. And, and what strikes me about the story with you and your husband is that it took that long, 15 years to be totally honest with him with, and, and totally free to share the, the truth. It wasn't, this is abortion. It wasn't just a word. This, this is your child. And I can only imagine what a gut punch that was for him. How did he respond to that? He
1: was, gosh, just so incredible. Um my husband is is just such an amazing guy. Um, you know, I I went to him and I said, um, you know, I had been I had gone through the study, I had been, I had been trained to lead and and I was um, hosting the study, you know, in our home at this point. And our kids are um young teenagers, middle teenage years. And I'm talking to my husband and I said, I said I really um, need to ask you to forgive me you know this was this was your child and I did not um I didn't come to you I didn't trust you um with this and I'm sorry and I need you to forgive me and he was so sweet he looked at me held my hands and he said I didn't know there's you don't you don't need to ask my forgiveness I didn't know What's really, really interesting is that when I came to CareNet and started working with our women's study, um, "Forgiven and Set Free," um, when I went through "Forgiven and Set Free," um, you know, as a participant, right at the beginning of my tenure with CareNet, um, the Lord is is so gracious, and He always brings me to deeper healing when I was either leading a study or have gone through one, and He did it again with this. Um, and as I was going through one part of the study where we're talking about anger, because really, when, it, when I was talking about those, those nebulous feelings that we have, that we're dealing with, um, what, we, what we're dealing with is grief. And it is this forbidden grief. You're not allowed to talk about it because this was a choice that you made. And so you have no way to identify what the feeling is but that's what it is. It's grief. And we're actually walking through the stages of grief, even though we don't recognize it. You know, there was a lot of time that I was angry and, and I can, looking back now, I can see that that it all had to do with this unresolved grief in my life. So when I went through forgiven and set free, we got to the chapter on anger and my leader was asking me, you know, we were talking about who, who are you angry with? Who might you be angry with as a result of your abortion decision? And I didn't say my husband and she called me out on it. And she said, well, why, why isn't he on that list? And I said, well, because he didn't know. And she said, well, why didn't he know? And I said, because I didn't tell him. And she said, why didn't you tell him? And I said, because I was afraid he would leave me. I didn't trust him enough. And so when I went to my husband and said, Hey, Hey, Um, I just have had this breakthrough and recognize that I have harbored this anger in this part of my heart towards you for a really long time, um, because I didn't trust you enough. I thought you would, you might leave me if I told you I was pregnant. And he looked at me and he said, Jill, I, I would have, I would have lived up to my responsibility. We would have, we would have done this together. again." Hands and feet of Christ, right there, um, and I'm just I'm grateful that He um, loves me in spite of all of all of this.
0: So, as I'm hearing you, do you? I'm sensing that freedom that I mentioned a little earlier instead of the shackles. But do you agree that the enemy wants to keep both women and men down, wants to get to make them believe, hey, you, you can't tell anybody. Everybody's going to hate you if you talk about this, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think the enemy wants to keep people shackled?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, the enemy comes to kill, kill steal and destroy And what better way to do this than through the family? What better way to drive a wedge between a couple than to, uh, you know, uh, taint a a pregnancy to say this is inconvenient, and you know, for us to to buy that that I'm not going to get to live the life that I want to live if if I have this baby or if I have to be shackled to you for the rest of my life, and and that's that's all part of that um, just the insidious nature of how the enemy works. And it, it's, it's so interesting. One of the things that I have learned as I've been in this position with Karenet um, is, you know, I know the effect the abortion had on me as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, um, but it wasn't until just recently that I began to see and understand how the abortion decision affects men. Mm. And you mentioned earlier, you know, we've spent the last 50 years telling men to sit down and shut up, that this is my body, my choice, and you have nothing to say about it. And that is so intellectually dishonest because I didn't get pregnant on my own. And my husband should have had a say. He should have known. Um, And, When we were putting together our men's study, it's called Reclaiming Fatherhood, I got to work with four men who were all post abortive And while we had a shared experience in all of us having an abortion in our past, how we experienced it was vastly different.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about that in our next segment, because if you go to chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information, you'll see Forgiven and Set Free, the study for women, as well as Reclaiming Fatherhood, the study for men. It's, uh, those are our featured resources today at the website, chrisbabrylive.org. More with Jill Marquis straight ahead on Moody Radio. For the last few months, I've been telling you, go to Chris Fabry Live. There's a green Care Net button, and this is why you're hearing Jill's story today. This is why I've been telling you to do that, because not only have there been, I think since 2008, they've documented more than a million babies who have been born. Uh, Not only that, and then the care that the mom and the dad, if they're together, or just the mom or the adoptive services that happen for some, the, the care that's gone on after that, the fathers who get become engaged with their children when they say, "You know what? I, I'm not going and I'm not going to do this to my partner or my wife and child. Um, and then these recovery services this, Abundant life is what I, pro abundant life is what CareNet is about. But that's what this is about freeing you from the shame and the guilt and the fear and the condemnation that the enemy wants to keep you under. This is happening day in and day out very quietly. Jill Marquis is with us, the director of the ARC program. And Jill, when I have guests on, usually about this time I'll talk about CareNet and I'll ask, have you ever heard of CareNet? And a lot of times they'll say, "Yeah, absolutely." And I, you know, we uh, volunteer or we support them, et cetera, et cetera. And other times, eh, I think I've heard of. Them. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. So uh, just to be able to have you on and to introduce somebody who's listening right now to the services that CareNet provides when they need these services or their child needs someone to walk through this with them. Or they have a friend in church who is dealing with the effects and hasn't told anyone. And then they confide. They could say, I heard this program, and there's a place called CareNet, and you can click this green button. It's all you need to do. So I hope, folks, as you listen here today, that it'll, it'll come together for you, whatever it means for you to click the green CareNet button to find out more, to be ready with an answer to somebody that you meet who says, I've got this in my past, or I'm thinking about this now. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click CareNet. You'll see that right there, as well as the featured resource today, Forgiven and Set Free for Women Reclaiming Fatherhood for Men. Um, let me ask you about the, about the men issue, because as you spoke to the, this group of men, and I saw it on Vimeo. And you said, we need you. We don't need you to be silent. We need you. What was different about that you've seen the men's response to abortion in the past? What's different for the men and the women?
1: That is a great question. We are both grieving. And so to, to understand that is, is important, that we're both going through a grieving process but like I said before, we don't recognize we're grieving, and men um, process the information and grieve differently than women do. Um, and so, for them to to understand, hey, you're going to need to unpack some of you're going to need to unpack a lot of this, not some of this. You're going to need to un- unpack a lot of this, um, and and understand. What is driving your behavior? Um, What was interesting in talking with men um, when we were putting together Reclaiming Fatherhood, um, what I kept seeing over and over is that men um, end up in a default position of being angry. Um, And so as we started diving into that, you know, as we're looking at, you know, how do we want – how do we want this Bible study to look for the guys? I was asking them, well, how did you get to this place where you're just you're just hanging out in anger? and it for for so many of them, it came back to where they were when the abortion decision was made. One of the gentlemen um, in reclaiming fatherhood said that, um, You know, when his girlfriend told him she was pregnant, they were in their late teens and he just basically froze up and, um, you know, didn't wouldn't make a decision and didn't offer up anything. And so she made the decision and she, you know, went and had the abortion. And for him, um, the way that manifested in his life was that when, you know, he would be in a work situation or a personal situation and um, a decision needed to be made, he would lock up. And then somebody else would have to step in and make the decision, and then he would just be angry at himself, at the situation. Um, another another guy had said to me, um, you know, I felt very obligated. I wanted to do the right thing, and and we were we were teenagers at the time, and so I knew that I needed to pay for the abortion. And so he said, I felt this overwhelming sense of obligation that has. Um, just followed me throughout my life that I'm, I'm obligated to do the right thing and make sure that I do it the right way. And it just, I get so tense and so angry. Um, and, and when I've spoken with um, leaders of other abortion recovery programs and asked them about this, and I'm like, hey, tell me, I'm hearing this, you know, that guys hang out in anger and they were like, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where they end up. And um, when I was doing some research, what I found is that um, when we're angry, I'd read a study that said when you're angry, your brain releases um, norepinephrine, which can act as an analgesic. So it can act as a painkiller. So it's easier, it's more comfortable, so to speak, to be angry than to deal with those underlying emotions. And for a lot of men, you know, when you have to get into the emotional side of things, you know, not a whole lot of guys want to get into that if I can just paint all gentlemen with a very broad brush um so that was really interesting was like okay how do we okay guys how how do you how do you overcome this anger and that got us to that whole idea of taking captive every thought and because there is this you know our our minds create these patterns um, in our brains you know in our decision-making process, you have to interrupt that. And of course we know there's nothing new under the sun and the Bible talks about take captive every thought. So when guys are going through the reclaiming fatherhood study and we start talking about what is the habit loop that you have that gets you to this place where you end up and you're angry and start identifying the things that trigger that and, and, Now that you know what the triggers are, you can take captive those thoughts and you can bring in, you know, what does the Bible say that, that, you know, where do we need to spend our time thinking? You know, we need to think about what is noble, what is good, what is right. Um, So that's just, that's probably a long-winded answer.
0: Well, it's really helpful because I, my first thought was compartmentalization that a lot of men, Mm -hmm. because, because I do this, you know, I, I can compartmentalize my life So, and it's, and it's to manage and to control the emotional response that I have. If I can, if I can get these boxes, you know, in in the, in the right place and close them up and move them off to the side, don't have to think about them. But the, as you say, the dirty little secret is that, you know, the boxes don't stay closed. They open up and they leak out and they cause a lot more hurt than you realize, both for you and then the people who are around you, people who love you and that you love, get hurt by this. So deal with it, right?
1: Yes. One of the things, um, one of my coworkers said to me, um, was she said, you know, Satan sends us mementos. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. And so when you think about, um, again, that taking captive every thought, when Satan sends you a memento to remind you, oh, hey, you made this decision. You're pretty worthless, you know. Um, When those thoughts that come up in your head or when something triggers you to understand that that's not from the Lord, Um, and to go back to what is true. And that's what we do in both of the Bible studies. Um, Unashamedly, these are evangelical tools. We are ushering people to the foot of the cross because the only true healing is going to come through the blood of Christ. And that's what we want. And that's, you know, when I think about the, just the sheer numbers of women and men who are sitting in our churches, and feel sidelined because they have an abortion in the past. And while they might know that the Lord has forgiven them, if they're not healed, if they haven't walked through a healing process and grieved their child, then then they can't be fully effective for the kingdom. But I will tell you, those of us who know the saving grace of Christ and who know that he died for our sin of abortion, when we come off the sideline, we do crazy things like go on a radio show and talk about, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, some of the darkest times in your life, because, you know, I can honestly stand here and say that I am not that person because of Christ. And that's what, you know, when I think about what CareNet as a whole does, you mentioned this, you know, we are all about pro-abundant life. And that is, you know... Healthy marriages that is fathers being involved with their children that is shoring up strengthening the family it's sharing the gospel it's making disciples um, you know it's it's really sad when you look at the abortion statistics and see that the statistics in the secular world hold true for those of us who are sitting in church it's the same and you know I have to laugh a little bit when I've had pastors, you know, say to me, "Well, you know, that's we don't have that in our church." And <laughs> I'm just like, "Um, sir, I beg to differ. Have you asked?" Yes.
0: You don't know this, Jill, but last Friday we did a program on mementos, and they were for me. It was my father's. I got uh, just before Christmas. My brother sent my father's. Uh, pipe that he smoked when I was a kid, you know, so I'm on my desk. I had this memento. And when I look at it, I, I just, this feeling of, ah, that's, you know, my dad's that's, that's part of him. I can hold something that he held that was, yeah, you know, tobacco is not that good, good for you, obviously, but there's, there's something about that that just uh, enlivens me every time I see it, but you're exactly right. The opposite of that is true. And these memories that trigger from back there, Satan's mementos that he wants to bring up to you, you do not have to live with that. uh, As a matter of fact, reversal. God loves to change Satan's Mm -hmm. mementos into something that he uses for grace in your life. And when we come back, I want you to tell me about one of the things that you do as you walk through with women and men through the program I think it's going to be a really powerful ending to the broadcast today. Jill Marquis is with us. Click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org. We have our featured resources today Forgiven and Set Free and Reclaiming Fatherhood. Is God real? That's one of the most asked questions on search engines these days. Is God real? We got a fellow to answer that question. Lee Strobel is going to come along tomorrow. Uh, Last month he was going to be with us and uh, wasn't feeling too well. So it's Lee back. All Lee all the time tomorrow right here. Jill Marquis is with us today. If you click through today's uh, information into the program information, you will see along the right-hand side, Forgiven and Set Free, and reclaiming fatherhood—a study for women, a study for men—you can click the green CareNet button and find out more about ARC Abortion Recovery and Care. And um, I want to take this last segment for you to describe what happens toward the end of one of those studies when they go through, when people go through this and dealing with the abortion in the past, so that it, so that you get set free, so that you're no longer hiding. What, what What is toward the end? What happens?
1: So as we are working through the different studies, you know, like I mentioned, we're going through the stages of grief. And um, part of what we do in both the women's and the men's study is we ask the participants to name their children. Um, and for a lot of people, they've never thought about that. They've never... Um, they, they've, they've ne- it's just not been part of of their thought process at all, and so we ask them to name their children and go through, um, and it lo- it allows them it allows them to grieve. So in doing that, we um, we ask them to to send us you know to give us the name of their child, and we prepare a certificate of life for their child, and then at the end of the study we do uh, a celebration of life or a memorial service. And it it is that time when we get to publicly grieve our children, when we get to call them by name. Um, And it is so incredibly powerful to to do that and to know that, um, you know, our children are in heaven and that we're going to see them again. and It is one of the most beautiful, um, I kind of joke and say it is one of the most beautiful snotty nose cries that you can have. Um, and, you know, and, and every memorial service looks different and, and, you know, each, each leader can, um, you know, direct it the way that, that, you know, their group, they they think the way that it's going to serve their group the best, um, I've seen memorial service, been part of memorial services where candles were lit for the children, where we were given roses. Um, I know with some of the men's studies, um, they plant trees um, you know, for their children. Um, and it's just, it's so, it's, those symbols are so powerful and um, so moving. What did somebody. you
0: name your—when you had the abortion, you were—it sounds like you were about a month or two along. Is that right?
1: I actually was probably closer to 12 weeks. 12 so, weeks, okay. Yeah.
0: What did you name—if you don't mind me asking, what did you name your child?
1: Um, our daughter's name is Catherine Lauder.
0: So and, you, and, you knew her, her gender then. mm mm-hmm. Did they tell you that, or—
1: no, that was, you know, again as part of this process, you know, you go before the Lord and just ask, Lord, would you, um, would you reveal to me, yeah. you know, the gender of our child, um, the child's name, and I just, I always knew that she, that she was a girl. Always mm-hmm. knew. Girl, yeah. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was your
0: husband's reaction? Did he participate in that?
1: Um, you know, it was, it was. It was interesting, you know. I did abortion recovery, like I said, for almost a decade before I really—this is crazy—before I really invited my husband into the process. And this last time that I went through, when I went through, forgiven and set free, um, I asked him to be part of the memorial service. I was actually part of a virtual group, so there were four of us that were participating in this group, and it was all online. And um, it was absolutely beautiful. We each got to honor our child. Um, in our own specific way in our homes. And my husband was in the room with me and he got to see that. And what we did afterwards was we went outside and I had um, I'd found these Chinese lanterns that are all biodegradable and safe. And um, so we wrote her name on the Chinese lantern and, and you know, lit it and watched it go up into the sky and you know stood there and held hands. And cried and prayed and, you know, just both of us knowing um, that we'll see her again.
0: Jill, I am so glad that you are doing what you're doing. And in one of the things that the video that I mentioned earlier, you you, you were a little reluctant to do this. You know, you, you wanted to be obedient to what God told you to do, but but you showed up and you you were there and then your heart began to soften and you saw... The effect that you could have on other women and other men who have abortion in their background. One more question: Is have you been trying to pull the wool over our eyes? Is there really freedom?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. If somebody would have said to me, uh, you know, twelve years ago, um, Jill, you're going to share your story very publicly. Jill, you're going to stand on a street corner or on the street out in front of the busiest abortion clinic in your city and actively stop people on their way to that abortion clinic, I would have said you're crazy. But yet I stand here and I have done those things by God's grace.
0: Because you know the truth of what that child is inside and you know the love of God in your own life and in your husband's, in your family's life as well, and You want to do good for those, for for everyone out there, even those who disagree, even those who are going for an abortion today and will show up on your doorstep five years, 10 years down the road and ask for help because it's the kind of help that you receive. So here's what I want you to do. If you're listening today and you've never clicked that green button, click Care Net, it's going to encourage you. First of all, you'll see the work that they're doing and that this is not all of the they only care about fill in the blank. But there's also, if you go to our website, you'll see our featured resources today at chrisfabrylive.org for given and set free the women's study Reclaiming Fatherhood, The Men's Study. Oh, I pray today that this would do that in, in your life or someone you know in their life, that God would use this program uh, to bring freedom to the captives, to set you free from anger, too. Jill, thank you. Thanks for being with us. God bless you, friend.
1: Thank you.
0: Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, and you can find us online at chrisfabrylive.org.